Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. How many of you enjoyed that time of worship? Anyone? God is so good. God is so good. All right. The kids are welcome to join Uncle Perry for Kids Church back there. All those who want to. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. We will call them back for when we do our um, communion. And kids, I just want to ask you, be nice to Uncle Perry. Just, you know, be respectful and quiet and all that stuff that I know your parents are teaching you. We're going to equip them now so they, you know. All right. Everyone settled. Great. For those of you who uh, are visiting, joining us for the first time, and those who, you know, let me open it closely, just want to quickly summarize again for you where we're at and what we are doing and why we are doing it. So as a young church and as a a growing church, I, I felt God lead us to a place where we would build solid foundations, where we understand when we say salvation, when we say faith, when we say lordship, baptism, these kinds of words, what do we actually understand about it? And have we applied it to our own lives? And we've worked through that. If you've missed that, please go and listen to the podcast or watch the videos. Um, I eventually want to put together something that we can give new people and say, go and learn your foundations. and then, then we move from foundations to, okay, now that I understand my foundations, how, did, how are these foundations supposed to impact aspects of my life? Because it's one thing to just hear these truths. It's another thing to apply them to different parts of our lives. And we, we spoke about how it impacts marriage. And we spoke about how it impacts parenting. Um, first, oh, Sorry, we first said how it impacts identity and purpose, and then we went on to marriage and parenting. And um, we've, we spoke in the first session on how important it is for us as parents and future parents. Who's future parents here? Don't have children yet, but you want to have children. There we go. Moy, moy. Well done. If we can't get everyone saved, we need to breed them, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. We need to do both. We need to do both. <laughs> um, so in the first Raising Royalty, so we're busy with a a small series called Raising Royalty. Um, Initially, I didn't plan on it being a series, within a series, but, you know, God led in another way. So our first session, we spoke about how important it is for us to do two very important things, to be intentional about parenting our children God's way, and to do that through relationship, to understand what that means and what that looks like. We went through a bunch of scriptural foundations for parents and parenting God's way. And we saw that one of the main things that come across is is that it's summarized in that Deuteronomy 6 chapter where it speaks of how we need to be teaching God's ways to our children all day. When When we are lying down, when we're sitting up, when we're going by the way, when we're coming home, all the time we need to be sharing the word of God with our children and training them up in the way of the Lord so that when they are older, they won't depart from it. Amen? And then, uh, because there's so much craziness happening in the world and so many decisions being made for us by people who don't love God, I was stirred in my spirit last week to, to bring a word about how important it is for us as, the, as parents who love God to not only focus on our children's education and physical safety, but to be as vigilant and passionate and tenacious about their spiritual protection as we are about their physical protection. 
because we are more and more going to be under attack by the world and the ways that the world wants our children to live like. And we have to remember what I said a few times now, if we don't teach our children to love Jesus, the world will teach them not to. We have to raise up a generation of Jesus-loving children. Amen? All right. So today, in this session, we're going to get a bit more practical. We've laid the scriptural foundations. If you miss them, please go listen to them. So today, there's not going to be a lot of scripture. I know, I know. Sorry, Chovi. Chovi is normally very excited about the amount of scriptures I use. But we have laid the foundations, and um, they remain true. So, <laughs> so from that place, I want to share some things with you today. So first of all, know that Aleta and I are not perfect parents, by no means. We are works in progress, as I know all of you are as well. If you are a perfect parent, please come and take the pulpit. Anyone? Okay. <laughs> but we did have a stirring in our spirit when we were, uh, we were still married just for a year or two. And we just had the stirring that, you know what, we want to have children, but we want to learn as much as we can from people that have been there and done that and did it well, uh, so that when we start, we don't have to make some of the mistakes maybe that they've made, all right? So I, I thank God for that wisdom, because when we met people, uh, families where we, the children are a bit older, and we see, whoa, these kids have, have manners, <laughs> for one, they've got character, they love Jesus, and they are just a great family, there's a great family dynamic, we would go to the parents and say, how did you do that? <laughs> And from those conversations and from reading books and a whole bunch of other stuff and practical experience eventually for ourselves, we learned that uh, these things that I'm going to share with you today started coming through as golden threads that most of these people had in common um, and that we also saw as we practiced them that they work. So that's what we want to do today. Um, the big thing was about avoiding certain mistakes. And I just want to, in that moment, also just honor those who have helped us in, over the years. We are really grateful for that. It's great to know principles. It's great to understand basic things about parenting. But the, those of you who have children, especially young children, you know by now that each of you in the couple, the, the man, the woman, and your child, are each unique, right? So... No, no, it's, it's very hard. Sometimes you, you read a book or you listen to someone say, you know, just do this with your child and just try that. And you go like, yeah, that's never going to work with my child. <laughs> Ever felt like that, anyone? Yeah, I remember my, my mom said she had a handbook to raise us. And I sort of looked like the textbook, but my brother didn't look like the textbook. <laughs> and so each child is unique and you, you need to be able to be guided by that. So the principles are there to help guide us, but there are things, and I, for the future parents especially, just know this, you'll have to figure some stuff out on your own. Sorry. But the good news is you have the Holy Spirit to guide you. So there will be, a, amen. There will be a lot of praying. There will be a lot of praying. So I'm sharing what I'm sharing from a humble place where I'm totally dependent on God to choose every day to lead our children through a loving relationship to know Jesus and to become more like Him and to discover their callings in partnership with them as they, um, so that they can be the best versions of themselves as God intended. That is ultimately where we want to get them. You remember that scripture that I shared last week, Ephesians 4, which talks about the fivefold ministry, but we, we know that the ministry starts at home. And we have to have that mindset that I want to see my child come become the perfect, in the perfect picture of Christ, to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Do you remember that line? That is where we should aim for ourselves, but also for our children. So as with marriage, we'll be looking at God's standard for parenting. We know that many of, of you or even watching may have difficult situations or different kind of situation. I know that some people are divorced or maybe a single parent or maybe there's a case of blended families. Please, when I, as I share this, do not 
feel judged or condemned. It's not the focus. It's to, it's to lay a biblical foundation. This is, this is what God would like all of us where we should be. If you haven't done that or you've, there's been mistakes along the way, it's okay. There's grace. There's redemption. There's reconciliation. That's, God's in the business of that. Amen? So don't hear what I'm saying and go, oh, this is not for me. Um, take the principle and say, Holy Spirit, how do I apply this in my life? Amen? Okay. We want to see what God's uh, view is of this so we can have a biblical worldview as we parent. We may need to repent. We may need to make right. We need to do restitution when necessary. But the aim is God's plan and the conviction necessary to get there. If you feel any kind of guilt or shame or condemnation, it's not from God. All right? We need, if there's a conviction to change from your current way to God's way, yes, that's different. All right, I think I've explained that enough. So what I'm going to try to get across today is understanding God's order in the home, understanding how important your own personal salvation and relationship with God is as a parent, understanding how important a healthy marriage is for healthy parenting, and understanding your role in your child's life and your child's role in your life. Those are the four things I want to try and get across today. Are you ready to share, baby? I asked my wife if she can speak for a few minutes on understanding God's order in the home. And then I'm going to take over from there. So enjoy, enjoy this. Here we go. I speak a lot today. Um, we've discussed this often, especially during our marriage courses, just how if you do things God's way, and according to the Bible, it's going to work. If you marry, get married in a relationship, the whole process, if you do it according to the Word of God, it's going to work. If you raise your children according to the Word of God, it's going to work. So if I, if I think about order um, in your family, the picture I have in my mind, it is God first, then it's the husband, then it's the wife, then it's the children, okay? Do you agree? <laughs> we so often miss that though. Um, I, I see how children come into your family and it completely takes over everything. It takes over your time. I mean, as a woman, it takes over your body. It, takes, it, likes, it rules the house. And yes, there is a lot of grace for that. And there is a season where a, a baby and a child needs a lot of nurturing. But not at the what is the word? expense of the husband. So what happens so often is like... Dad goes out and works. Mom is with the children the whole day. She's exhausted. He gets home. Nobody even notices them. There is a season for babies in this church especially. Um, and the dad gets neglected. And then I see these pictures on Facebook where the, the mom posts the children and says, my everything. My everything. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm like, what happens if your everything is taken away? What do you have left? You've got nothing. Unless God is your everything and everything else falls under that. So what also often happens is the fact that when the children do become your everything and when they leave the house, the parents have got nothing to say to each other. They don't, I mean, they become like housemates. It's just like a, a convenient thing. But guys, I, I mean, in, from experience in our marriage, I've seen that if we do the order right, our children can thrive. What will happen for, uh, with us, for example, is, um, I mean, I have a strong personality. It's not a matter of, uh, it's not, the, the submit to your husband part in the Bible doesn't fall easy on the ear, okay? I'm going to be honest. But it's not like if he says this, I must jump. It's not like that. It's a whole different story. It is about, I want to follow my husband. And even if he wants to make decisions and I'm not with him, I'm not just going to surrender and say, yay. I'm like, no, I also want to have a say. And, and he lets me say. It's not just like we have to have peace and unity in whatever we decide when it comes to decisions. But when it comes to a father, a mother, and children, what, sometimes the children will be rude to me. And he will say, excuse me, you don't talk to my wife like that. Because I was his wife first before, hello, my Liffy. Yeah, yeah, ta-ta. Before I was their mother. 
Or sometimes when they in, we are busy speaking and they just come interrupt us, he's like, excuse me, wait your turn. I'm busy with your mother first. My wife. I'm busy with my wife. So they feel, I mean, they, you might think that they feel ooh, rejected in that moment. No, they don't. They feel safe because they now know that there is, it's priority. Our marriage and our relationship is priority above them. Because if it wasn't for our marriage, they wouldn't have been here. You know, they kind of have to protect that. Um, and as a wife and a and I, it's amazing how it is so important for the father to be the spiritual leader of the family. It, it, it doesn't happen in every household. It's, it's actually very uncommon. And it, it's amazing what happens if the father raises the bar and he is that spiritual leader. I cannot tell you as a wife, husband, listen, there is nothing as attractive for me, to me, of my husband, who said it like me. He's never as attractive to me as when I find him in the Word of God. If I find him standing up for what is right. If I, I'm like, oh my word, that is so hot. Like seriously. And it's amazing how God made us that way. It's just like it is. I've always heard it. And I, I mean, you hear the husband must be the spiritual leader. And, and, but until he steps into that role, you're like, whoa, that is very attractive. So it's amazing if the, the husband takes the lead, how the, the wife falls into her role. She, she wants to love you. She wants to be there for you. She wants to do what, needs, what she needs to do. But we have to understand that if we do not get the order of God right, it's going to it's gonna throw over the whole apple cart. What would that not say? I think so. Verstaan jylle nou die order van die familie? 101. Okay. <laughs> Let's give her a big round of applause. Thank you, baby. All right. We, when, whenever we take Scripture and we try to apply it practically to our lives, the thing that will always help us to apply it correctly, I believe, is to, to come at it from a posture of, I, I'm, I need to be humble, because that's always God's way. I need to be teachable, and this has to come from a servant heart, okay? Because if you take Ephesians 5, that says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, as Christ, as the church submits to Christ, then a husband could use that as a way to manipulate and to step on and to control. And that's not God's heart, because you can't stop reading there. Because right after that, it says, Husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church, laying down his life. And right there is the healthy balance that God brings into that situation. So just in summary, if we, as men especially, have made the choice to follow God and be the spiritual leader of the home, we need to operate from this place of knowing that God first, and then it's our marriage, and then it's our children and then it's our vocation or our ministry. Amen? All right. That brings a healthy balance to the home. It also helps us to know when to say yes to certain things and know when to say no to certain things. Because I go, where is this in the order? No. It's, if, if there's a choice between work and family, you're sometimes going to have to go no to the work and yes to the family. And God will lead you in that. All right. The second thing is understanding how important your own personal salvation and relationship with God is. This obviously ties in with the order of the home. Once again, this is God's ideal, I believe, for families. Each parent should have a strong, healthy, and growing relationship with God, focused to have their own quiet time and times of prayer and worship. So individually, quiet time, and then times together of praying and worshiping together. Um, we each need to stay close to Jesus so that we lead from our seats in the heavenly places and not from our busy lives and the routines that we're in. We are in this world, but we are not from this world. Amen? All right? So we have to remember that. So when we get so caught up in the busyness of life, we have to just sometimes go, take a breath. I'm actually seated in heavenly places. I'm not seated in traffic right now. That is my reality, but... <laughs> I'm actually seated in heaven. We model the relationship with God we want our kids to have. We have to know that. 
They do not do what we say, they do what we do. Have you ever told you, I told, I told myself, I will never say this, but I have. Don't do what I do, do what I say. <laughs> That's the worst thing a parent can say to a child. Well, one of the worst things. Because it, what you're actually saying is, I've messed up. And then you need to own that, and make it right, and lead your child correctly, okay? God is love, and His peace and His rest surpasses all understanding. Do you want a love-filled, peaceful, and restful home? Who wants that? Anyone? God has to be and remain your source. Not your spraisos, your source. His love through you to your spouse and your kids is the only sustainable way to love well. That's from 1 John 4, where it speaks of, first God tells us, that we cannot love if we don't love Him. If we don't love Him, we can't love. And then it says, Jesus was our example of love by laying down His life. So if we are not in a relationship with God, we don't have access to real love. The love we can give as humans is limited. It, it is typically will go to a place of exchange or transaction. I will give, but I need something back. And if I don't get that love that I want back, then I'm not going to love you. Yeah? Whereas God's love is a supernatural, always available, unre unrelenting love that just flows. And we need access to that. And third thing I want to share with you, understanding how important a healthy marriage is for healthy parenting. Aleta actually spoke about this a little bit as well, and it does tie in with the order of the home. But this, I just want to reiterate this. Our children find security and safety in the sanctity and safety of a healthy marriage. They do. That's just how it is. Those of you who may have grown up in a broken home or experienced divorce or something like that, you will know that this is true, because you experience the bad side of that. When there's disunity with your parents, something on the inside of you just, this is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. So once again, I'm saying this so we know what God wants us to have in our marriages. When a child knows that mommy and daddy love each other, will never leave each other, and will always be there as a couple, that gives them an amazing sense of security. It broke my heart the first time when my, my wife and I had an argument in front of my children and they were a bit older and had heard at school that some kids' parents were divorced. So we, were, we weren't even having like a hectic fight. We were just, you know, having a loud conversation. And, and I, don't remember, I don't know if it was Leon or Simi, but one of them said to us, are you going to get a divorce? I'm like, no, we're just having an argument. But the fact that my child's head went there just broke my heart. So now we shout behind closed doors. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's also not healthy. The other thing I, I need to mention that this is important is you need a team to raise children. You know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. But we, especially as fathers, but yes, as a married couple, we need to choose our village well. We have to decide who will influence my children. I'm, I'm the main influence, but then I decide who else has a say. Choose those people well with wisdom and know them. A father has specific attributes he needs to convey to the child, as do the mother. There's different seasons of each child's life that they need more of the father or they need more of the mother. I can't go into that in detail, but I can point you to an amazing resource. The website of The World Needs a Father has made this kind of information and more available freely. And you can go and see what ages does my child need what from which parent the most. It's an amazing tool to know in this season of my life, my child will need more of the mother because there's a, a need for emotional intimacy. In this phase, the child will need more of the father because identity needs to be put in place. So I want to encourage you to go read that. 
Both the man and woman need to know this and understand it and support each other in this. It's very difficult when, when one of, of the parents is on a mission to do this and the other one is like, eh, I don't know, I'm not convinced. We need to be on the same page. And the only way to get on the same page is if we are on the same page in the Word of God and on our knees. Because if, if there's not unity in the marriage, and you can go back to the teachings we did on, on marriage a couple of weeks ago, then it has an effect on our home environment and our children. We have to know that nasty fighting, verbal abuse, physical abuse, the cold shoulder, passive aggressiveness, talks of divorce or divorce will leave a wound in your child's heart. When we counsel people, we counsel them mainly because of things that went wrong in the home. A dad who doesn't know how to be a dad, a broken marriage, those things leave wounds that people have to get healing from. And there's no sugarcoating this. Do not be fooled. Do not be selfish. Remember the luggage you need to attend to. I spoke about that recently as well. We need to attend to our luggage so that we don't pass our luggage on to our children. Or baggage. Or issues. The title of my message was, Leave Your Luggage Attended. So, uh, your, listen to this, your marriage, my marriage, is an example to our kids of what marriage is or supposed to be. Will they grow up to be excited about getting married and doing it God's way? Or will they grow up going, I'm not getting married ever? Because look at that. What kind of home do we want to create? Then lastly, number four, we have to understand our role in our child's life and our child's role in our lives. First statement here, you are the parent and the child is the child. Your child is not your friend, at least not until they're in their 20s. They are your child and they need to be trained. You, I, I sometimes see people speak to their children trying to, trying to be their best friend. And what do, they, what do they do? They give them what they want. It's the worst possible thing you can do. It's like getting a small little monster and giving it everything at once, and then it grows up and it becomes a big monster, and you go like, how did that happen? Don't be fooled. We need to speak truth in love with patience as we train up our children. And this is just yeah, confirming what Aleta said. Don't make your child an idol. We can easily make our children something we worship instead of God or more than God. Especially if you trusted God for a child for a very long time. There's a story in the Bible that's similar to that. Abram and Sarah. They waited very long. Got one child. They were told they will have nations. And then God said, go and sacrifice that child. Why? Because God wanted to see who is more important. The child, the promise, or me, the provider of the child, the provider of the promise. I remember when Leon was just a couple of weeks old, we, we got news from friends whose three-month-old baby girl just stopped breathing in her crib and died. And immediately the enemy told me, that's going to happen to your child. And I thank God that I was discipled well, so I knew that this thought I can take captive and bring under the authority of Christ Jesus and say, no, that's a lie. And say, God, speak to me. And I felt God say to me, do you want to have an Abram Isaac moment or are you going to give your child to me? And up until that point, I was up every five minutes checking if Leon is alive because we were... As, as much as we tried not to be typical first parents, we were to the extent that we bought one of those monitors that measures breath and heart and everything. And this thing was malfunctioning and beeping every five minutes. I'm thinking, oh, my child stopped breathing. Ah! And I would run and check and then he's fine. So I was not sleeping well and I was worried the whole time. God said to me, are you, do you want an Abram Isaac moment or are you going to give your child to me? And I prayed the hardest prayer of my life. And I said, Lord, this boy, he belongs to you first and foremost. 
And after that, I slept like a baby. <laughs> Pun intended. Because I knew that, yes, I have a parental stewardship responsibility that God gave me, but I am not, first and foremost, His creator and His father. God is. And that brought a whole new healthy dynamic to our parenting. And when we had our second, third, fourth, I just prayed that immediately. I gave them to Jesus immediately. And that also helps us to bring the order of the home in place. All right. Two last big things I want to chat about. First one is the concept of calling out the gold in our children. One of the best pieces of advice that we received in that early stage when we were asking people for help was to prophesy and speak life over our children from the moment we know that we are pregnant. To know that at conception there is life. Psalm 139. We can know that there's life there. And we, I started speaking over my child. Because I know that even though he's, a, he's an unborn baby, his spirit is listening. And I, I prophesied everything over this child that I thought he, that God shared with me. And then also, <laughs> I've, there's things in my life that I wish I had, you know. I've, I've dealt with it. I've settled it. But Something that always bugged me at school was these kids who had photographic memory. I'm like, what is that about? Lord, seriously, why could I not have gotten that? And they, would, they, would read through, they would page through the textbook the day before a massive test and then get like 90%. I'm like, what? I studied my bum off and I got 70. So I prayed for Leon for, for photographic memory. <laughs> I also prayed for a bunch of other stuff, but... It, to see how God honors those prayers and that life that we spoke over him is an amazing thing to see. And we continue to do that. One of the things that we also learned that is so valuable is to, to, to not tell your child the bad things that they are or that they are doing and not to connect them, but to separate identity from the deeds that they are doing. Anyway, I'm going to actually get there just now. Let me get these points first. We need to call those things that aren't as if they are in our children. Names are very important. That's the thing you're going to call your child the most. I want to encourage you, and I'm going to upset some opas and omas, but I want to encourage you, if you don't have children yet, or if you're going to have more, I'm not talking to you, Paul. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. They have... Paul ha this Paul has eight children. Uh, <laughs> they've done very well to build the kingdom of God. <laughs> I forgot what I wanted to say. Yeah, it, names. Thank you. So the name that you give your child should ideally come from God because he knows your child's purpose. He knows your child's identity. So I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider that your child's name should come from prayer <laughs> and from hearing from God because you're going to speak that name over that child the rest of his life and other people will say it as well. And what are they saying? That's one of the problems with these made-up names. They may not have any meanings. <laughs> anyway, now I'm stepping on toes. I'm sorry. All right. And then also try to avoid negative nicknames. I've met some people with horrific nicknames, and they're kind of proud of it because they've been hearing it their whole lives. And I go like, what's your real name? I'd like to call you by your real name. Okay. We need to encourage our children. We need to call the gold out of them and always speak life over them and into them and be intentional to notice when they are doing the things that you've asked them to do, or if they take initiative and do something well, just say, well done, that's amazing. And if they don't get it right the first time, we keep helping. We instruct, we guide, and then we let them try it on their own. On the other side of that, we can also go to the wrong place and just do everything for them the whole time, and they learn not to do anything. That's also not good. Anyway, last point, I think. Second last point, discipline. This is a fun subject for children. 
We need to know that we have to lead from a place of moral authority and establishing the child's identity at all times. This is very important, especially for the fathers. If we, that's why the relationship with God is so important and that we are constantly maturing into the image of Christ so that we can be that for our children. We need to remind our child. So remember, I'm talking about discipline, okay? Remind the child of their true God-given identity. Help them understand that the behavior that you are disciplining is not who they are. Let's try to avoid things like you are naughty, you did a wrong thing, you did this, you are this. We need to separate that from the deed. So what you did is not acceptable in this home. What you did is actually not in line with who you really are. If we start speaking like that, we start guiding our children to know that I'm actually called to be this, and these things are not part of who I am. And we start helping them to differentiate between the two. Because what's going to happen with a child that hears all the time, you're naughty, you're naughty, you're naughty. They're going to be naughty. And you're going to be surprised. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen, um, or maybe you had this as a child, your mom say, don't climb on that wall, you will fall down and break a leg. And then you fall down, you break a leg, and she goes, see, I told you. Yeah, you probably caused it by speaking it. Because words have power. I know it's not always that simple, but the principle is true. Don't speak that. We, we get very pedantic about this. We irritate a lot of people. We have this thing in our home called spreek lewe, speak life. We, we, we focus so strongly on the words that come out of our mouth that it must always be uplifting and edifying. And we don't speak accidents over our children. We try to change our wording to... If you do that, you can fall, and that may happen. I don't want that to happen, so rather get off. And if they don't listen, sometimes if it's not life-threatening, let them fall. They will learn an important lesson, consequences of choices. Some of the moms are like, oh, I can't do that. Some of them see these moms running after their babies like, All right. There's a whole bunch of stuff about discipline. I don't know. Are you guys still with me? I don't want to get too technical. All right. So when we discipline our children, we need to teach them what is not acceptable like that. Um, we need to teach them this kind of behavior is not acceptable in this home. If it's a first-time offense, we don't discipline because they didn't know. We say, okay, what you did now... <laughs> That's not okay and cannot happen again. If it does happen again, these will be the consequences. And then when they do it again, then the consequences need to actually happen. Have you ever seen these parents that go, don't do it, don't do it, there's going to be consequences, there's going to be consequences, guys. Don't do it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And it just goes on forever and the children just keeps on doing what they were doing. Stop it now, stop it. I can talk about Ian. And they just count forever. Yeah. That is not effective. Why? Because children need boundaries. They crave boundaries. Because boundaries make them feel safe. I like the word they use that world needs a father. Guardrails. Guardrails like on a road. It's... You know, it stops you from going off the, <laughs> off the road, and it will hurt a bit when you hit it, but you'll get back on the right path. And this was a revelation for me just as a Christian. When, when God showed me Psalm 112 and said, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and obeys, delights in obeying His commandments. And I still had this thing in my head like, well, why, Lord, these rules that you have are so hard. And then he took me to 1 John 5 verse 3 that says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. I'm like, well, they feel hard. Now I go, okay, so either I'm wrong or the word of God is wrong. Who's wrong? I'm wrong. Okay, so I need to go, why do I feel this, but the word of God says this? And then, long story short, God showed me that that's why I need to love him back. 
Because when I love him, truly love him back, I will want to do what his word says. And then I also understand that he has put these things in place as a good father who loves me and wants to see me do well. It's like a fish in the water. It's a boundary, but it's where he thrives. When you take a fish out of water, it dies. Amen? And we need to create that environment in our home for our children. Because when our children grow up, they need to walk into a relationship with God and understand what healthy boundaries are. Need to understand what a parent is. They need to know what a father is. Because if they meet God the Father and they go like, I don't recognize you, then we've screwed up. Amen? I'm going to give you a few pointers that you may jot down or not. We need to be consistent in following through on the consequence. I've said that. We need to understand the world of our child. We need to understand their why and their appropriate, age-appropriate needs. Every season of a child's life has different needs, and we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of a, a child's personality type and their temperament. We need to be aware of our child's love language, even if you know, their love language is sweets. We need, to be, I'm kidding. we need to be aware of these things. Um, the other thing that, that we learned that is challenging for me sometimes, a lot, is to, dis- to not do discipline to your child, but to discipline with your child. It's a really, it's a big mind shift. Because I grew up in a home where it felt like it was done to me. And I initially did the same thing to my children. And I had a long chat with them. And, and I explained and I asked forgiveness. And we are trying a whole new way of disciplining now. Because what that goes with is not disciplining out of anger. Not having an outburst because they drive you nuts and then disciplining out of that anger. That's one of the hardest things for me not to do. And... and uh, because when we do that, we're actually abusing our children. And that was a hard one for me to swallow. But I needed to admit that sometimes that happened in my home. And I needed to repent and make right and ask God to help me to lead with love in truth like He does. And discipline in His way. Alright, there's a few more points, but I think we've, we've covered the important ones. And then lastly... This kind of ties into a few points we've made already, but I just want us to focus on communication. Because the big thing that happens in a home is constant communication. We're communicating by how we speak. We're communicating with body language. We're communicating with eyes that roll sometimes. I'm starting to get those. It's really annoying. <laughs> Anyone have eye rolls? eyes rolled at them recently? Um, the kids... Our children should always feel that they can talk to us about anything. The home and their relationship with us has to be a safe space. Home should be a place of peace and refuge. Talking about difficult subjects and other pertinent questions truthfully and in love with wisdom based on their age is very important. I remember from my own life, that I realized certain things if I come home and tell my parents this happened or that boy said this or something, it would completely upset my mom. And then I decided I don't want to upset my mom, so I just stopped telling her stuff. Now, this is nothing wrong that my mom did. She was just genuinely upset about, I mean, can't believe what's happening in other children's lives or what they are doing, and that she wants to protect a child, you know. So I understand it, but my, my experience was I can't talk about certain things at home. And we need to be aware of that. We need to have our children know, you can come to me with anything. And even if I am upset about something you're telling me, let's talk through it. Ask questions. Answer questions. Don't answer more than what they ask. (laughs) That's also wise. Depending on their age, you answer the question that they ask. And then also a big thing with communication is conflict resolution. Unless there's a, in your home there's no conflict whatsoever, then, you know, well done. But sometimes we, we have to deal with conflict. And for some people, it's harder than others. But one of the best tips we, we got was to have our children actually learn to do conflict resolution between themselves. 
I'm a natural mediator. So I would, I would, you know, one child would go, Papa, I did this, 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 this. And I come in, no, 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 I can't do this. Then I'm trying to mediate. You know, like, okay, first you tell your side, and he's telling it to me. And then you tell your side to me, and now I try to judge, you know. And, 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 and then normally we don't really get to a great resolution. So, and then we had friends visit us one time, and they, they said to us, no, 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 you have to let them work it out. So they gave us this tip, and it works beautifully. So when they have a thing that they can't sort out, we say, okay, go to the room or to the bathroom, and each get a chance to speak, say what bothers you, what, what did you do that upset me. The other one gets a chance, and then each says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And the other one says, okay, I forgive you. And then you have to hug it out. And by the time they hug it out, they're laughing and having a great time. It's amazing what just that little exercise does. And it's teaching them to communicate in a mature way. Amen? All right. So that concludes Raising Royalty. And it also concludes our Impact Series. I would love to tell you what we start on next, but I haven't heard that from God yet. So I'm waiting. But you'll hear probably on Wednesday. Definitely by next Sunday. <laughs> um, I, I would really like us to have communion together as families. And how are we going to do this? It might be a little tricky because it's quite cramped. But I'd like the children to, to join their families. Some people ask me, are the children going to have communion? I don't have a hard and fast rule about that. And I'm not going to force anything on anybody. If you as a father or a mother feel that your child can have communion, you can share it with them. The only thing I would say is that if your child has gotten to the point where they said to you they want to give their life to Jesus and they have done that, then I think, yes, definitely. So I would just share that with you. But I, I want us to, to focus today. And after going through this series, the big thing I want us to, to focus the communion on, you know, Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. But there's something powerful about doing communion and having a specific prayer focus. And I want that focus today to be for our marriages and our families and for the families of our community. Okay, I want us to pray for the safety and the protection of our children especially on a spiritual and emotional level. And I want us to pray that more and more people will, come, will become saved so that families can be whole. Because I really and truly believe that healthy families build a healthy nation. Are you in agreement? All right. But we have to start with our own home and getting our own home in order so that we can share that with others. It's very important for us as we take communion to to take it seriously. The Bible does say that we can eat and drink judgment upon ourselves if we, if we don't approach it the right way. But it also speaks of how important it is to do it. And I really tr I'm trusting God to do something powerful in our midst as we do this. You may have noticed over the last couple of months that we haven't been taking communion on a regular basis. And my wife has asked me, why aren't we doing communion? And I've, it's just because I've really been feeling God share with me the time is not right. And we need to get through these foundations and the impact that it's supposed to make before we take communion. So I'm just, I've, I've just been led like that. And that's why we're doing it today as we end off this series. And it's almost in a way also to seal the things that we've been sharing and learning so that it will become a reality in our lives. Amen. Because if, you, if you've been following the whole thing, you, you'll see it's all been about each and every one of us individually coming in right standing with God so that our marriages can be stronger, so that our families can be stronger, so that our community can be stronger. Okay. And that's why we're going to pray into that as we take the elements today. If you are here as a family and there's a father and a mother I'd like you to, as a father, just have a moment with your family as well and lead them. If you have the bread or taken a cracker, just maybe break off a piece and give to each family member if you haven't already. Um, 
And because I, I want to encourage each man here today to know that you are the spiritual leader in your home and that this is your role and you can do this at home on a regular basis as well. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then we're going to take the elements, all right? Let's hold hands if we can, if you have a hand free. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for each individual and each marriage and each family member that is here today and online and those who even can't be here that are part of our family I thank you for each and every one of them Lord today we are so excited and thankful that we, you've been leading us Lord through foundations and how this should impact our lives how we should do parenting how we should do marriage and I thank you now that we can bring this to a conclusion and today, together with all these families, Lord, as we take the bread that, that symbolizes your body, Jesus, that was broken, that was completely shattered for us, and as we take the juice or the wine that represents your blood that flowed for us, as you became the ultimate sacrificial lamb for all eternity, never to have to be repeated so that we can be free of sin, free of death and have life everlasting with you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for salvation and I thank you that we can be in a relationship with you. And I thank you today that as we use these symbols, I can ask that you bless each marriage that is here. Bless each family that is here. And bless our family, our church family as a community. I thank you that you bring a hedge around us of protection. That you cover us with your blood. That you lead us and give us favor, Lord, as we move forward as a family. I know that family is your plan. And I believe that through families, this world can change for you. So as we use these symbols today, Lord, bless us and help us to be a blessing to others. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Thank you very much for joining us today here in person and online. We are so grateful. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.